Welcome to another episode of the Crypto Conversion Podcast. As usual, it's Brandon, Matt, and Connor. And I promise everybody this is the last week that I will be taking the show on the road because it's just been crazy for me um, from a life standpoint. But um, coming to you live from Lincoln, Nebraska, gosh, I, I hope I survive here. I brought enough Badger gear to um, withstand my time, but uh, uh, we'll see. We'll see how that goes for everybody here in the great Cornhusker State. Regardless of that, um, guys, how's your Friday night going? Um, a lot of interesting news in the crypto space. It's been kind of a, a volatile week, as they say. Yeah, it's definitely been a crazy week. My Friday's good. That's good. Yeah. Yep, Friday's good. Yep, I uh, I'm relegated to the office. This is my office background. Um, mm. My wife is uh, baking some cupcakes for uh, a graduation party we're going to tomorrow. So, oh, that's it's exciting. good. So right after this, right after we're done recording, I'm about to scarf down like five of them. You know, to taste test, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yep. you have to. Yeah, to taste no. every flavor, every flavor combination. You know, my wife has the Joanna Gaines cookbook and the oh, chocolate yeah. chip. The chocolate chip cookie recipe in that cookbook is like it's killer and i usually have to test taste five of them as well so and yeah. i know the drill it's great. It's great. Um, so let's get into some news there's been a lot of interesting things happening this week we kind of had a, a bit of a dip everything seemed to um pick back up um so today so uh, from a market arbitrage standpoint Whenever I see Bitcoin at 24K and then it just resists that, it goes back up to 26K. It's like, okay, so there's clearly enough buyers at those, what we would consider pain points. So uh, is there going to be another black swan event, as they call it in crypto this summer, that could like really trigger things to go downhill? I, I don't know. So far, though, I think we had Terra Luna about this time. Oh, last year, yeah. Last year, and it really like brought Bitcoin down to 14 k, I believe, at the lowest. Um, I don't know if from a market 15. standpoint, I think it was like sixteen. Yeah, I, I thought sixteen. I thought it was, was, it was later in the year. Um, I thought. Well, either it way, it just kept. Year, it kept. Yeah, it it I mean, all. That was the start, and then it just. And then Voyager, yeah, Voyager yeah. crashed, and or Voyager, you know. Everything happened Voyager, after Terra, Celsius, Terra Luna, crashed. Yeah, Celsius. Yeah. So, I mean, speaking of Voyager, they just gave us a really raw deal. Finally, started getting some of that um, data back, and essentially, they're only going to be giving people thirty-two percent of their crypto back based on the cost of last year in July. It is a, the rawest deal of rawest deals, Ooh. and it's a it's a dollarized. It's a dollarized cost for the thirty-two percent. I just got the email today. I couldn't believe it. It, it is highway robbery, and it's they spent all that money on the lawyers and everything, and like trying to get the FTX deal closed, and then that fell through. And then no wonder Binance was like, "This stinks!" Like, peace out. Like, it wow. is bad. That's really insane. bad. Yeah. Um, so uh, just thinking about the market a bit. Uh, well, one, I, I did look it up on Corner Market Cap. It didn't dip to like the 15, 16 thousands until um, uh, November and December. It was it was that low. So, um, but no, I, I think that um, the uh, Luna thing kickstarted the, the drop off 
you know, below 40,000 and so on. But uh, um, I, I don't know. I wonder this. <laughs> Sorry. But, no, I was going to say like, yeah, all the following like liquidations of Celsius yeah. and Voyager and FTX were all because of yeah. Luna holdings. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely. No, it was, it was crazy. What a year. Um, no, but so I, I wonder if the, the down and then the backup is, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious what the response from people is to this uh, BlackRock ETF coming out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've seen, I, I don't know. I, I wish I would have dug into it more. I've seen people say, don't call it an ETF because it's actually a trust. And then it's, I, I don't know the difference. I can tell you. I, I'd be cons- I'm a little concerned about it being BlackRock, to be frank, because this is what BlackRock does best is control markets. BlackRock seeks to control the market whenever they get into something. And that's that's my concern with it. Um, they do it with real estate. They they do it with all these all these things. And it's it's funny because you're not going to see your your BlackRock real estate agent going into your residential you know neighborhoods in major cities, um, closing those deals on those houses. Essentially, what BlackRock does, they just buy them from the banks. Um, it's and so and that's why people don't don't see it like out on the street because it's all happening on the on the side of the banks. There's a lot of stuff that happens without us even realizing it um, between the banks. So, um, I, I mean, shoot, the, the federal bank reserve, the reserve banks don't release their, their, their meeting correspondences until five to 10 years after they've had the conversations. Mm. Yeah. So it's, so the way things go along with the bank, so BlackRock will go to you your Coldwell banker or somebody like that and say, Hey, see that house on the market. We'll take that, add that to our portfolio, another shrimp on the Barbie for them. Um, and, uh, another homeless person on the street so and they can control the market that way so it's it kind of scary in that yeah. respect but that's what that's how blackrock operates and how how concerning. is how is blackrock different from like vanguard because i feel like a lot of people talk about the two of them and like oh between these two companies they own you know just about every stock um but like i i don't know i personally know vanguard and like use them for some of my retirement accounts you know because they just they have good you know, ETFs. And so I have, you know, I'm investing the, the total stock market Vanguard. So like technically Vanguard's holdings are like, you know, probably everyone's retirements fund. Is Our, BlackRock we should, we, we yeah. should, so BlackRock invests in anything and everything. I think they get I their think, money from like, do they host people's retirements accounts? Is it more of like a, yeah, I think you could, if you, I, I think you could, if you wanted to, okay. I, I mean, shoot, uh, one one of the I forget which one it is. Um, Stuart in the morning, uh, Stuart uh, Varney on Fox Business. He says the only two stock he, like BlackRock's one of the only stocks he ever buys. So and honestly, it's not a bad strategy. So yeah, plenty of people have their retirements in BlackRock and. Um, whether it's it's stock holdings or yeah, because they do all type of investment management and financial services for the individual. Vanguard is just what we all see on our all, on our four hundred one ks. Okay, okay, but it's it's I, I got. I'm just trying to figure out. It's similar that I think they're similar. Yeah. They, 
invest in Berkshire. We should, we, sh- we should do, uh, we should do our due diligence though, and do a proper episode. Um, because I'm speaking really off the cuff here. Um, and I'd like to do a, a more researched episode. Well, we're trying future, to get Oni on who has a lot of experience working with. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. That would be I feel great. like he would maybe have something to add though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We should definitely do that. I, so I think I, Go on. Well, I just I saw an opinion on on Twitter that I was um, reading that there might be some shady dealings with the SEC and BlackRock. Just coincidentally, the, the timing of it it looks it looks like it might have something to do with um, some sort of premonition that I guess the uh, the what is it the grayscale Bitcoin trust suit to allow them to uh, you know have a Bitcoin spot ETF is going to fail, and the SEC is looking to hand that off to BlackRock. Twitter opinion, so yeah, I, I've heard a lot of people think that it's going to pass because it is BlackRock and they have a ton of money and they have a ton of influence, and so I, I, uh, I don't know. I think everyone's expecting it to happen now. Well, I mean, I do think that is the- why Bitcoin balanced. So you do you think that's why? Yeah, I, I think it was yeah. because of BlackRock Bitcoin ETF. It's possible. Well, has it Bitcoin. been kind of meddling around twenty five k right the past couple of weeks? Mm-hmm. It really, I mean, it wasn't a huge jump, but it, then it just went from twenty four yeah. to twenty six. Yeah. yeah, it didn't quite get to twenty four, but um, and to be honest, it's not even like a that. It's not even a bearish. Um, I mean, a bullish. No. Uh, yeah, no, it wasn't a huge jump. It was you know just all yeah. of a sudden. But I, what I look for when I, when I think about it, so the, the two stat or the, the couple of stats that I look like to look at on a coin market cap and coin gecko is one, the total market cap. So whenever I see that total market cap number start to get closer to under a trillion dollars, that's sort of a, like, uh oh, like something could be happening here and it's time to buy or like, uh-oh, something's happening here. And it's like, get rid of whatever risky asset you might have. And I know that's not always the best result, but it's like, usually like you should be buying when you see those instances happening. But the other interesting ones I like to look at is um, the total uh, market dominance of Bitcoin and Ethereum. And uh, Bitcoin's uh, total market dominance is 46.4%. And ETH is uh, 18.8%. And I think it's something that we should keep track of a little more closely because of how the market ebbs and flows and just what else are people interested in. And I do wonder sometimes if, uh, if what, what are those uh, indicators that make people go to Bitcoin or go to Ethereum vis-a-vis, you know, it's just kind of an interesting uh, number to look at and track from time to time. So I'm going to keep closer uh, track of it um, because it is a unique indicator from that respect for, as markets go. True. And one other yeah, I, additional so. thing that kind of makes this whole story interesting now is that BlackRock actually applied for the ETF or the trust, whatever it is, as, um, as a, a Coinbase subsidiary company yes it's not coinbase it's actually a separate llc so it is a different company but it is a it's a coinbase affiliate basically i mean it's i think that it's it's coinbase something llc is what they applied on oh, it. it's probably it's, it'll probably be a joint venture then 
black yeah, rock, but it's, just, it's very strange coin, given you know the current suit with coinbase and the mm-hmm. sec and it's just like what's even going on like, well i mean sure, you'd, you'd be you'd be surprised how many companies do joint ventures though to no, put I'm, out a product i'm aware it's a joint venture but i'm saying yeah with, i mean coinbase is under a lawsuit right now like it, i i hope that, and they're applying I, to the sec I hope that the SEC approves of this thing before the um, before the they get to court, so that they can just they can mention it in court too. I think I heard somebody else say that, like maybe because they're under such like the SEC and Gary Gensler specifically are under you know political scrutiny now with the way they're handling all the crypto stuff that they're they're gonna give a win, you know, to kind of get some of the pressure off their backs, and maybe that's what's gonna help the BlackRock ETF go through. Is it going to be a part of their like iShares thing? Because um, I don't know if you've ever seen like the different ETFs for like countries and stuff. So it'll be like China iShares ETF. Mm-hmm. Will it be the Bitcoin iShares ETF? Because anything that says iShares on it on the ETF side is uh, managed by BlackRock. Interesting. I didn't know. That. Yeah, just to clarify. So. I yeah. think who knows? I think what the documentation filing is. I think this is where the trust ETF confusion comes in, is that they are actually filing for trust with the option to release an ETF. So, um, mm. it might be both in a way. But um, get back to the SEC and the you know political thing. Um, I do wonder if um, the SEC will also use it as like a, a doubling down like. Hey, we never said Bitcoin was a security. Everything else is, but like, see, we're cool with yeah, that. Yeah, Bitcoin I, Max. So I, I love this. Yeah, you know. exactly. exactly. Yeah. So. Hot seat Ethereum, I guess. Yeah. Anyway, uh, on the topic of Bitcoin Maxis, um, I I thought another thing I wanted to bring up was uh, Michael Saylor in a, I don't even know what the podcast was. He was on some podcast, um, and the clip got shared everywhere. Um, he said that the the most humanitarian act um, you could do is you could uh, um, put all your money into Bitcoin and then die with your keys um, so that you make a, what do you call it, a pro rata distribution to the virtuous. Will my loved ones be able to count that on their tax return? Yeah, it needs Gosh, to be. what the right? law? Yeah. yeah, it needs to be. Like a, that as a, a as a loss or something? <laughs> yeah, like. My gosh, he just says the most ridiculous things sometimes, like as we were talking about prior to recording, like this is what's wrong with the Bitcoin space. It just sometimes like some of those individuals, they just make it a cult. Like, isn't that exactly what we're trying not to make this? It's saying stupid stuff like that. I don't know if it's just for rhetorical flourish or (laughs) I mean, he's sure not going to off himself like. So why should I, to be frank, you know? Sure. I, well, I don't know that he's saying you should off yourself, but you should you should not have a back door so that, you know, when you die, someone can claim your keys and claim your, you know, coins. Um, well, I'm going to take it to the nth degree, and that's what I think he's saying, because it's kind of like you peasant, like buy some Bitcoin and just <laughs> jump off that tall building. <laughs> help us, help us all out. Oh boy. No, I don't know about that. Help us all out here. It's terrible. <laughs> I don't like it. No, I don't like it either. Um, it, I think it is. I think it definitely is an, an amount of re- 
rhetorical flaws or whatever you want to call it. But it's it's almost like, you know, when you have these these uh, Bitcoin talking heads and they're going on all these podcasts and stuff, like you can only say the same thing so many times. You kind of need to add, you know, you need some sort of spice to... to <laughs> Right. It's, the old, yeah. it's the old adage, yeah, right? Like, like any, any, this podcast shirt all <laughs> any publicity is good publicity sometimes. Yeah. yeah, no. As as the as the growing podcast says, uh, yes. no, yeah, no, no, no publicity is bad yeah. publicity. We need some um, Hey, by the way, congrats on fifty subscribers, guys. Uh, we're, we're yeah, we're we're making it <laughs> slowly but surely. We need to take a cue from Michael Sterler. We need a little bit of controversy ourselves, maybe. Exactly. I know, yeah. Okay. We should get as many Bitcoin banks as we can. We need great. some. No, uh, as a uh, no, I don't need controversy. I, I'd like to avoid it personally. But um, you know, we'll we'll do what we need to do to, to to, I don't know, grow this blossoming. Uh, oh, my daughter's awake. Okay, well, that's all right. Um, if you so, need to mute and jump off, you can anytime. Oh no, we're we're okay. okay. She's been in the car all day, so we'll be all right. Cool. Um, but yeah, so let's. Yeah, I don't know if we want to talk about the Prometheum no, story right. a little bit. Um, I, I yeah, don't have a whole lot that. to add on it. I think maybe Matt knows more of what's going on. I did look into it though briefly, and it's a very strange story. It seems to me that they brought this guy on to basically say, hey, this is how you can do it right in the space. Coinbase, Binance, they're doing it wrong. So we need an example of somebody who's doing it right. But the guy they found doesn't really seem to be doing much of anything. Um, and it's it's just a, it's strange. Where, the, where do they find this guy? What's his connection? You know, what even is Prometheum? Because it doesn't seem to have, you know, any sort of value or progress or use case or people using it, you know, on the books at all. <laughs> So, strange. yeah, I, I was looking at the website and I was trying to find like, where's the exchange? Where's the charts? And like, I couldn't, it was like sign up. And then there was like a few other steps and then it said exchange. Yeah. And so I'm like, I, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't find it, but uh, no, it, it's extremely weird. So yeah, for anybody not uh, in the know, um, Prometheum is a, oh gosh, I, well, what's the, it's like a special deals broker. What, what's the term? There's like four letters. In yeah, there. it was, it was, uh, I, you're right on. I, I forget the, the thing. Gosh. Um, it was special deal broker. I want to say S D B something else in there, but essentially what they, they're, claim to be offering is that they can offer a platform to trade these securities. Um, but I mean, even when, when grilled, it's like, well, we can't offer Bitcoin currently and no, we can't also can't Gosh, need Ethereum, but we also don't need any more cl clarity from the SEC. Like it's working now as is, we just can't offer, you know, any of these <laughs> trade. So what even is, what's yeah. the point? Special purpose broker dealer. Um, is the what they are SPBD, um, but yeah, no. So it looks like it's so weird because they got approved for this, yeah. like by the SEC, whoever you know. Um, and then yeah, then the, the CEO was at this hearing in this congressional hearing, and he's like, you know, hey, this is uh, 
you know, we're, we're only allowing for digital assets that are registered as securities to be traded on our things. And everyone was like, so <laughs> which ones have registered as securities? How, how do we do that? You know, that uh, I, it's, it's, it's a mess. It, it looks like, I don't know, it seems like the SEC is trying to like convolute the system, you know, to say like, oh, you know, like, like, uh, what do you call that? Like, like it's uh, like a catch 22 or a Kafkaesque situation, you know, where it's like, oh, you, you can only list on the exchange for registered securities. And then it's like, but how do I register my security, register as a security? Oh, well, like you can't, like, like there's yeah. just no way of. It was just a gaslight. It was a total gaslight. Yeah. And it was, it was almost funny to watch. Like I almost liked him in a way because the answers were just so very out of there. <laughs> um, so it was kind of brilliant. Like if he if if it's not true that he's working with Gary Gensler, like I don't know. I mean, that was just like a brilliant piece of performance out in a way. Comes out of nowhere. Like, how did he even get involved with the hearing? He has a company that's basically non-existent, and it's. Yeah, so that whole scenario is strange. I did see people saying that they were trying to connect like ties to the CCP because I guess uh, the CCP company, the Wayne, Wayne, I can't, even, I don't know what the company is, but um, they uh, invested in Prometheum, um, and uh, there's some other company that they worked with that also had CCP ties. I I will go on record saying I don't really think there's much to that story. Um, I, I don't really see a lot of Chinese ties to the SEC and what the, what they're doing here. So that doesn't really make sense well, to I, me. And beyond that, actually, what's really interesting is that this company that supposedly has CCP ties that was investing in Prometheum, guess who is their chief scientist on board? Vitalik. Anthony Fauci. Vitalik. Oh. So now we're saying that, like, Vitalik has CCP ties? I don't know. That sounds... Oh, interesting. Well, now I'm kind of intrigued. Um, so I was l- trying to listen a bit to the hearing. It's like four hours long. Um, and, and there are other people on too. So it, it was kind of interesting because they were talking about like stablecoin regulation stuff. They had like the circle guy there and um, a few other people. But uh, the uh, um, they did probe the um, whoever that guy is, who is the CCP connection, is uh, owns like 20% of Ethereum or of Prometheum, Prometheum. So twenty percent. So it's a sizable chunk. I mean, it's obviously not a majority, but uh, but then it was kind of funny because they were like probing, like, well, why would like uh, the Chinese guy, like, why, why would he want to invest in this? And they're like, oh, he believes in the mission of having, you know, selling red digital assets that are registered as securities. And it's like in the U.S., like. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's just I, I i was laughing they didn't push that but i i was thinking that i was like what well, he believes in the mission that oh yeah the u.s people they need us you know they those americans need to buy only registered security digital assets like i, no. I, don't, I just thought it was he meant it only for the cayman islands <laughs> um, right. i mean <laughs> hey you can't knock the chinese they're about making money so i think they uh yeah. sure i mean they but spread the Everything they do, they're playing the long game. They're they're not thinking about tomorrow. They're thinking about the next five hundred years when when they make a move. So can't argue with that. Sometimes. Um, so I was looking at the um, Bitcoin.com just released a lot of information regarding the 
ETF. Um, some analysts calling it the real deal um, from a spot Bitcoin ETF filing. Um, it's going to be a it's going to be one of those uh, Delaware statutory trusts. Um, there we go, state of Delaware again. Um, always uh, a part of the the iShares thing, like I was talking about. Um, let's see here. Bitcoin Adding BlackRock fund Bitcoin. advisors is the, yeah, Bitcoin.com. Um, adding that BlackRock fund advisors is the trustee of the trust and Coinbase custody trust company as the custodian for the trust's Bitcoin holdings. So Coinbase actually, Coinbase sounds like they're going to be responsible for the holding of the Bitcoin for this trust, essentially. This is going to get interesting. I can't wait to see what the SEC Wait, who's going to be the holder? Say that one more time. Probably Coinbase's vault. Mm, I think though the Coinbase is actually a separate LLC. Like it's not. It's okay. It says Coinbase in the name, but it's not actually technically connected to Coinbase, even though they have maybe an incestuous relationship. Maybe they're just using the the vault technology that Coinbase possesses mm. to hold the Bitcoin. Though, like that's the thing. So, and then the keys are just kept at, in that Delaware statutory trust, essentially. Hmm. My question is, how can we track this wallet activity so we can see how much Bitcoin it is total? That's what I want to know. Yeah, I am intrigued by that as well. I, I think um, some of the things I've been looking at seem to suggest that um, people will be able to redeem their Bitcoin if they want, hmm. um, which is which is neat. I mean, that... Yeah, you know, makes it real Bitcoin more or less, right? It, it'll confirm that they have to kind of custody, um, you know, the actual amount. It won't be paper Bitcoin, but uh, I, yeah, I, I don't know. We'll see. Well, this is going to push this. This is going to push for regulatory clarity. So, I mean, that's that's what we wanted all along. Now, Ginsler has no choice but to give us some. Yeah, so. maybe. I mean, I don't know. Like, it seems like the current. U.S. interests are aligned and not providing clarity and just trying to shut down the industry. But I mean, for all for all people want to complain about China and stuff, it's like, I mean, this is what I said is just that you know, with everybody saying, "Oh, look at the CCP connections," like they're trying to like get influence over U.S. politics. I think what they're actually doing is they're just trying to fight the pe the petrodollar system on like all fronts. So if crypto is convenient for them to get around that and, you know, to be a thorn in the U.S. petrodollar side, basically, then they're pro-crypto at this point. So, yeah. What, Connor, you don't believe in one China? I'm just kidding. I'm more of a Chinese show than, uh, <laughs> than probably anybody else on the podcast. But uh, I, I, I don't know. I just don't really buy into the whole, like, idea that, um, you know, China's, like, our big enemy. And, yeah, it's just, like, it's the same warmongering kind of talk that we've you know heard from ages from the neocons yeah. with uh with every other you know country except the u.s so, so investing invest so i got you know how we get those like those spam pop-up ads on our twitter or facebook or whatever so there was one that came up on my timeline and it's really interesting as american companies that are no longer american and i'm like oh this is interesting and so it was like you know, companies like Popsicle, 
uh, owned by Unilever. Unilever in the UK owns a lot of food production here in the United States. Yeah, um, yeah Ben & Jerry's, Unilever, um, Burger King, Restaurant Brands International, Canada, Trader Joe's. Um, well, they're technically owned by Aldi, so that'd be Germany. Um, American Apparel, um, Gildan Activewear, country, Canada. Um, 7-Eleven, owned by uh, 7-I Holdings, based in Japan. So there's all of these, there's all of these quintessential Americana brands and companies that were founded here in the United States that are no longer owned by holding companies in the United States. And what I'm starting to recognize, and partially I can recognize this because of what I do for my day job, but is the United States just the rest of the world's ATM essentially? It really is kind of scary when you realize it, because this is kind of like the classic, like populist Mm -hmm. economic right versus like left argument. But the fact that like we don't produce anything in the U.S. anymore, like our greatest export, like what we've been a net negative, um, you know, on exports for a long time. We import more than we export. Right. Um, And so our chief export is debt through the U.S. dollar, the petrodollar system. That's what we export. And so what's crazy is like you look at Russia and they have an insanely like lower GDP than we do, right? Mm-hmm. But they're able to hold their own against basically all the sanctions and stuff that we've um, you know levied against them and whatnot because they produce a lot in Russia. And so the value of – And they don't and take not, on debt like Yeah, and that's do. not like – that's like uh, – what do you call it? Um, like numberified, not uh, equatable in GDP. So it doesn't really factor in. But their economy is very strong because they do produce. Um, and our economy. You want to hear some more? This is crazy. Smithfield, um, pork producer, WH Group, Hong Kong, Iron Man, like Iron Man for triathlons, the Iron Man, Delan Wanda Group, China, Forbes, Integrated Whale Media, China, um, Dirt Devil, Tektronic Industries, China. It is just, it is peppered. We'll, we'll, we'll put this link to this article in, in the podcast notes because this is just, it is just so fascinating to me. Um, I am it, just like, what the heck? It is kind of funny to like think about how um, like strongly like anti-monopoly and stuff America, like the U.S. was at one point, And now it's like, I mean, it's all these holding companies, right? And it's like, no, every brand, you know, I, you've seen the charts where there's like, yeah. you know, 10 companies own just about everything, you know, you interact with on a daily basis. And it's like, <laughs> guess who, guess, guess, it up. okay, last one. This one blew my mind. Guess who owns Sitco? Sitco? What? Sitco, like the gas station. Yes, yeah, the gas station. Petróleos de Venezuela. Venezuela. Wow. <laughs> no. Venezuela. That's not good. That's wow. not good. Hey, why does all it, why does all it North Korea get a piece of this action? Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Why, 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 if Venezuela can go in and buy a gas station, why can't Russia and North Korea? It's crazy. No, uh, so, but to Connor's point, I, I think um, it, it is interesting that the U.S. is really, it's like we're the... We've got the dollar. We're the financial capital of the world. We have money because we print it, and 
everybody else uses our thing because it's it's the standard and it's it's the you know so gosh it's so interesting though right because i like is it is it uh, is the way out to like get back to producing stuff like how how can we start doing that biology was tweeting about this the other day that like even every like screw that you use is like yeah. made in china and it's no, like no it's, correction it's, objection to that sure, um sure. I, as as somebody that sold fasteners for uh, a good part of my life i can say that the industry is actually shifting to india um and from a lot of majority like some a lot of the specialty stuff um is mostly taiwan but the it's the common sizes in fasteners that are majority produced in china so but it it depends on what you're looking for but i would say that india is definitely taking some of that market share so interesting biology also tweets a lot about india so now i kind of want to like find yeah no well biology biology doesn't really sell fasteners so i don't Sure. Know if I would trust well, his he's opinion talked on for that, a long time but about he the is success. very smart. Like the challenges the U.S. dollar to him is the the Chinese yuan yeah. and the Indian what is it ruble or something? Um, yeah, so those ruble, so yep. he's big on both India and China. So if he doesn't recognize that, uh, well, I will I will say after I had to unload pallets um, that were import containers from India. And you can tell that those things are coming from like a third world because sometimes like they just had to store those pallets outside because they don't have robust warehouse setups. So be unloading pallets and it's covered in plastic and the plastic Mm -hmm. is just all muddy because it had been rainy season when they had shipped and the, the, the lead times of this product, they're absurd. Anything that has to go on the Indian Ocean takes like a 200 to 400 day lead time just really? to get stateside. It's insane. So, so it, it's, it's, if you can get the product here, you can make killer margin, but if you, if it's, it's going to take some time. So you need to really build out that supply chain. And sometimes the companies over there, uh, they're not the best at, making what you tell them you need so you have to like have to have them do it over and over again so it's a lot of trial and error until they get it 100 percent right and then there's no telling if they'll just change it because they're like oh we found a way to do it more efficiently and it's like no you're supposed to do it the way the picture was and they're like but this way is so much faster it's like no and then Try try send try sending an email to them. They won't respond. I don't, to you I don't know how much we're going to say like on the so, podcast. But my boss, um, yeah, for the piano company I used to work with, had a lot of dealings with uh, with China and, and other countries too. You know, in his earlier uh, career, but it's that way with the uh, the piano companies too, because a lot of pianos these days, mm-hmm. most of the industry is now made in China, and then your high end pianos are still manufactured in Germany. Um, and Steinway still yep. makes in the mm-hmm. U.S. They make in the U.S. and also in Germany. But other than that, like the whole piano industry, which used to be totally American, has all shipped off to China. But that is the way it is there. They go there I and they say, though, this is the uh, way we're built. It has to be exactly this way. You know, this is what makes the piano sound the best. Mm-hmm. And they cheap out. They'll And they won't tell you. You know, they'll change something out and they'll try no, to get they, it by you won't. because they're just trying to shave those margins as much as they can. So. Yeah. I, I don't hate working with China though. They're they're decent communicators. Like they will at least give you consistent communication 
unlike other countries that you're trying to help, um, you know, help produce product, save some money, import on the import side of it. So it's at least China communicates. Taiwan's pretty good too. Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like we're off topic, but I think this is like an important discussion though, is talking about production and how important that is to the economy and why it is that you have China and you have Russia and they're getting involved in the crypto industry now because you have this proxy war, you know, about currencies that are being raised basically. And, uh, you know, that, that plays into it a lot. So to me, when people say like, oh, look, the CCP has ties to these companies and they're trying to get influence in the U.S. and this is what's really bad. To me, that's not what's really bad. What's bad is that we have a U.S. regime here that is very intent on keeping control of this currency system. And it's actually not in our interest as citizens. It's much more in the interest of you know, these kind of elites or whatever you want to call them that can kind of maintain these, these kind of you know, uh, networks of power. And so in a strange way, China is kind of on our side in this in that at least they you know, oppose this enemy in the same way that we do. So I don't buy this that, you know, all of our politicians are bought out by the CCP and they control most of America. Like we talk, we hear nonstop about how we need to go to war with Russia, with China, with, you know, all these other countries. And if that, if that was the case, we wouldn't be hearing this kind of, you know, warmongering rhetoric. So. It's a very intricate, and that's not to say, of course, yeah, it's not to say that China doesn't have interests, and of course they would love to have more influence here. So I'm sure they they have lobbyists. Obviously, they have lobbyists. I'm sure they contribute money to different political campaigns, but I don't buy that they really, you know, they've bought out the SEC, and they're the ones really behind the strings pulling, you know, with the way doing the puppets. Yeah. However, I like I I mean to the point Balaji was making. Right. If if we like, I, I don't know. I, I think the U.S. has to do something with production. Right. We have to somehow start producing again because otherwise, if 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 this currency war changes and the BRICS, which includes both India and China, you know, put any sanctions on the U.S. Oh yeah, no, you're right. You know? <laughs> yeah, we have. To we can't this. do anything. We can't do anything by ourselves, right? We gotta, you know, we gotta either make better strategic alliances with mm-hmm. other, you know, countries that we can rely on or, or we got to yeah. start doing some things ourselves. Cause it's, well, it's, I think that a lot of that money though needs to get away from the coasts and back into middle America. I don't know how, but I just find that so much of that economic prosperity stays on yeah. the East, the East coast and the West coast. And it doesn't get kicked back into the middle of the country where That's the actual really production of things be quite honest, happens. Like... No. Sure, but no, I, I think, no, this is a good point. I mean, this is what's been happening, right? Brandon and I mm-hmm. live in the, the Rust Belt, right? We had mm-hmm. all this production. The production yeah. moved overseas. The new financial capital is not mm-hmm. Detroit or Chicago. You know, it's New York, you know, and then the tech yeah. stuff in San Francisco, LA, yeah. like it, you know, it, the things we do are on the coast, but then yeah. we've just lost all the. Yeah. And that's like, that's what so, was don't the, get it twisted. the Trump revolution like, in a way was really kind of just the recognition of that. So you have to yep. give credit with you no know, credit is due for there. Yeah. I mean, there's, this is an important topic, mm-hmm. like talking about the production. Exports of America. No. And, and, and the people, you know, where Matt and I are from, you know, we're, 
we're pretty resilient and we roll with a lot of punches and if you have a will there's a way to make mm -hmm. yourself something it's just that it has gotten leaps and bounds more difficult 100%. um and it's i i it, it it you have to work a lot of crappy jobs until you can land something that you actually want to do and that's kind of hard to see sometimes and we just we need more people getting into trades and not going to getting those secondary and tertiary degrees that don't pay for anything like as you said like we're really good at outsourcing debt we're really good at outsourcing it to our own citizens who are only 17, 18 yeah, years old. Yeah, that's really what I meant so to say is it's, not that it's, uh, it's tough. the Rust Belt and yeah. you know, Middle America isn't suffering more than maybe the coastlines, but just that overall, like we're really not making ourselves wealthier. We're not, uh, you know, we're not benefiting ourselves no. with this whole system. As much as America seems to have this worldwide control, like the American citizens aren't really benefiting from it. So... That's kind of a, I mean, that is a reality. We have to, uh, we have to kind of deal with. For the record, I'm not trying to say, you know, go Rust Belt, go. I know there's a lot that happens in the Southeast where you are, Connor, with oil and everything. So not trying to discredit where, where credit's due. Those guys work Everybody their rears to. off also. We need to produce. We need to produce. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A lot of blue collar, yeah, blue collar jobs that, that don't exist anymore. So, you know, everywhere. And so, mm -hmm. um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's I, I wonder what the, whether there'll be a shift, what the shift will be and how, how yeah. painful it'll be. So um, anyway, let's back, back to crypto though. Like sure. this is why I think China and Russia are so interested in crypto because they're, they're trying to play a, they're trying to fight a war on multiple fronts. So China is trying to basically dominate the global supply chain with the Belt and Road Initiative, um, basically putting infrastructure and uh, means of ports for importing and exporting in third world countries, especially Africa. Um, they do, they've been, China's been doing a lot in Africa from an infrastructure standpoint. Um, and then on the crypto side, it's it's a way for data to be exchanged in a way that it isn't being exchanged today or it's getting more efficient. So if they can hold both those kind of sides of the industry from the moving of things around the world and the data that is required to to keep it like to have some traceability to it. There's a twofold approach that I consider that they're they're going after and they want to dominate that. And they know that, you know, we've exhausted web point, you know, web 2.0. So it's like, okay, we have all this infrastructure in for Belt and Road. We need a faster internet. We need a faster way to connect with all these people. And here's where this web three technology comes into play, you know, here's where a uh, different form of currency can come into play, a way of transacting where it's a lot more seamless than doing currency exchange rates over and over again. And that's just nauseating for people. So, it, so that's where I see them wanting to be more friendly towards crypto because they realize, oh, if we're going to control the 
importing and exporting of product across the world, we need to control the transacting uh, simultaneously. Yeah, I, I think there's something there in that, uh, gosh, I'm trying to think of who I was reading, um, but when they were talking about the US, you know, being the financial capital of the world, the global reserve currency, um, they were saying that, um, like, like, it's not great, you know, to be in that position, because you, you have to print money, you have to kind of finance everyone else's debts and all that. Um, and so it, it, that is an interesting take. I wonder if China it would look at Bitcoin in a way that they're saying, oh, okay, we're, st- we're not going to be in control of the, the I don't think, money. Yeah, I don't think they like know? that. But like, and they might not, they might not. I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just trying to go for the take. I, I was going to say though, the opposite. I, I do, I think tech, China's already so far ahead of us technologically, um, but mm-hmm. it tends to be in more like control ways, right? Like yeah. facial recognition stuff there is is wild. And they've had it for, you know, much longer than than we've been able to. And they don't export that to us. They just um, export, you know, stuff. the cheap stuff that we import. <laughs> yeah. But no, but the, and then they use it for control, right? You have social credit scores, you have things like that. And so, you know, it, it uh, I don't know, I was watching a video recently about, uh, I think it was like a vending machine and people had to like scan their face to use yep. it. It was like, yeah, but if you didn't have a good enough score, you can't use it, you know? Yep. And I, so I, I don't know if they, they'd be on board with Web3 in a way that they're like, oh, anybody can use it, you know? the way that a lot of us are into decentralization. Um, but I, I think, like Hunter said, it might be more about just kind of trying to erode the, the dollar, Something. the petrodollar. Well, and they have their own form of BlackRock in China, too, that runs everything in Tencent. Mm-hmm. So Tencent is China's BlackRock, essentially. They own everything in China. And they even own they even own uh, some things in the U.S. Uh, so not not a surprise to anybody. But uh, yeah, uh, if you want to go down that rabbit hole, uh, look up the documentary on YouTube about Tencent. That's a, that's an interesting one. Um, the 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 National Basketball Association is um, is viewable in China because of Tencent. Tencent is one of the top investors of the NBA um, from a broadcasting partner standpoint in China. So. Yeah, that's so. It, it, I'd be interested to hear somebody who works at Tencent's opinion about the the Web three space and how it can be used in for commerce in particular, because that's where the, the the levers of financial power will be for that. I think the CCP has a little more control over Tencent though than the United States does over BlackRock. It's <laughs> the other way around. Yeah, yep, yeah, exactly. Yep. I remember doing well, something with yeah. Tencent in school now that I think back on it. But uh, I'm trying to, I think we were doing um, some sort of uh, research project on uh, WeChat, which was, I don't know if, I guess it still is. Mm-hmm. It's like the. So te- so WeChat, WeChat is uh, Tencent's uh, top. Um, okay. It's so it is a Tencent company, that owns it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Trying to remember that yep. stuff. But what I was going to say is uh, particularly what I think China, another dimension to China's whole, I guess, philosophy, national philosophy, especially when it comes to tech. So it's not just that crypto is a way for them to, you know, challenge the, the petrodollar system, but it also is that they, you know, they want China to be the best, right? They're very nationalistic. And so they're always looking to invest in these new cutting edge technologies. That's why, like you say, you know, they're on kind of the forefront of this. Um, you know, facial recognition technology and lots of technologies like that. 
I was listening to a um, podcast recently where they they brought on some crypto people from China to kind of give more insight into you know the China mindset there. And um, I guess this is what it's been. I mean, we've talked about China in the crypto space for a long time, both positive. Oh, look, China's you know where crypto is going to flourish because they're open to it. This was like three years ago, and then all of a sudden they shut everything down, and it's like okay, China's against crypto, and now they're opening up again. So, but this has been their philosophy. At least this is what they've published: um, is that they are very interested in blockchain technology, and they basically, you know, the CCP or whoever it is that's kind of running things there, running things there, puts out, you know, the, the we want to, you know, we want to invest in blockchain. We want to, uh, you know, this technology to uh, be in China, and we want to kind of have like a handle on it. So everybody needs to get involved in blockchain. That's basically what they put out to their people. Um, but they don't like crypto. They don't like the investing thing. They don't like, you know, just all these Ponzi markets, yeah. of course. So that's where things kind of took a step back for them. It's like, we love blockchain, but, you know, or at least we want to know more about blockchain, but we don't know about all this stuff. So now they're kind of slowly opening up again. But basically, as soon as they put out that press release that says, hey, we want to be, you know, the blockchain people, then everything changes like that. So, I mean, it is very centralized control like that, but they want... Well, that they would, do want to invest yeah. in the technology. That would explain why they have a polka dot. Team and that explains in why Vitalik then. is working for this CCP Chinese company, I guess, um, as one of their like lead scientist uh, consultants. Sure. So. No, well, I just the reason why I said polka dot is because of polka dot isn't really a crypto. It's Oh, I see. blockchain well, I mean, technology. Yeah. It's, it's a cryptocurrency. I mean, it is. Do you, but... you, do you get what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you can invest in it on the currency side, but they've kind of moved away from it being a currency and it more so being the that layer zero protocol where stuff gets built on as opposed to um, something that you just, you know, we just throw yeah. around. Yeah, that's a very interesting uh, project. Um I've done some research on them in the past and like, I still don't fully understand it, but. Um, Me neither. I've tried to understand it, but I, I mean, I made a lot of money on it initially, but I don't <laughs> no. think that was the point of it. And I'm still trying to figure out what it is. Yeah. That one's cool. No, uh, the China and the blockchain. I, um, I, I think as well, I don't know if they're the first country to do a CBDC. Um, right with the digital yuan. Um, I don't know if they're the first, but they, uh, I, I mean, they're definitely heavy into that. Um, when did they launch that? A couple, year or two ago. Um, they they have a CBDC, right? And they have, we, we, we bring it up anytime we talk about CBDCs, like, oh, you know, you could have, you know, your currency expire because they, they experimented with that in China as well. And so I, I don't know if it's, if it's on a blockchain or, yeah, and I think they allow, CBDC, like, you could have the CBDC wand, uh, and you can also have just regular digital wand, too. So I think it's kind of like a coexisting oh, system really? right okay. now. But um, I am kind of curious about that, because as much as we talk about how bad CBDCs are, I mean, obviously, we don't like CBDCs. I don't think anybody does. I mean, funny, like, side thing, but um, so recently, uh, we were 
like approached at least Matt and I with this idea. I don't know how much like publicly we want to share about it, but like we need to have like this discussion about CBDC. So let's like host something where this kind of discussion can happen. I think that would be super interesting, but I don't know if you could find anybody who would be willing to def- defend the pro CBDC side. Like I've tried, I've looked all over on Twitter and I can't find anybody. But um, the China use case, yeah, like yeah. how bad is the China CBDC? Like comparatively, obviously expiring money sounds bad, but like I want to hear from like people in China that like, you know, kind of give us the inside scoop of what's actually going on with the CBDC. Cause we go, yeah. Oh, China CBDC. And that's like, that's enough for everybody to be freaked out. But like what actually is happening? That's what I want to know. I want somebody. Oh, I, I think I might know somebody. Let me you really? just. So he has experience using it. Yeah, I think that. Well, I don't know if they have. Well, let me. I have to tread carefully, but I do have. I I I know some people. So, yeah, because of my job, I because of my job, I know some people. So, some people that are that are currently living in Shanghai, actually. So just. Well, I I wonder how to what extent they'd be willing to talk about it. Right, if they're like actively using not on the podcast but off the record i could get some stuff <laughs> okay interesting no because it, it would be interesting to know to hear how how it is going and i you know i i mean i think it's integrated well into probably all their apps we chat and all that but uh you know it might be convenient for the people who mm-hmm. are using it but uh yeah i don't know but that is a good point right i i think that all the cbdc talk that's been going on in the US. It's it's everybody yeah. has been speaking against it. I, I don't think yeah, it's kind of like a, a good talking well, point because everybody hates it. So it's like you just have to be come out and be like CBDC is bad and everybody's like <laughs> so but, uh, but I think it's good. I think um obviously we don't want CBDCs. I just I think we need to be even heavier and be like we don't even want Fed now. Actually we don't even want banks giving us digital money at all. Like we want to privatize this. We want crypto. So we just need yeah. to even go more into, yeah. you know, the whole system. But I don't know. There's good, there's goods and bads. It'd be interesting to have Ernie on and he can talk to us about what it's like onboarding banks. Speaking of which, not to change the topic again, but go back yeah, to yeah. Um, the deal with, uh, with Prometheum. But everybody was also curious about the bank that supposedly – um, custodian, or well, uh, being a cust- cust- custodian, I guess, for Prometheum's supposed crypto, yeah, yeah. you know, exchange, because that was kind of their way of getting around the uh, the SEC regulations. Is that they were actually going to custody um, assets in some way that is not, you know, is not uh, is more legal, I guess. Not even if we even know what legal means, but uh, this bank kind of seemed to come out of nowhere as well, um, and. Nobody really knows much about it. So some some other thread if somebody wants to unravel that one. Yeah, that's a weird good conspiracy theory episode. I, yeah, I think like we're gonna call this uh, the global global jumping around crypto episode. Trying to solve the world's problems one podcast <laughs> at a time. Take one. Uh, what else? I wrapping up. Anything else? Any other tidbits in the news? Anything? The only thing we didn't discuss was the tether DPEG. I don't think we have a lot mm. to add on that. It was interesting. Um, well, it wasn't. 
it didn't depict I as mean, much as we thought it any did. sort That's of depeg is significant. Like obviously, the idea of a stable coin is you can redeem yes. it for one dollar and if that fails like that's extremely scary i mean we saw what happened with luna you know and that was an uncollateralized like joke of a stable coin but it did untold damage like if that happens with tether you know with usdc there's not a lot of options out there right everybody's like oh tethers you got to be wary of that like diversify diversify into what like usdc that's being you know sued by the sec like great and we found out that uh you know die is is backed by usdc and maybe tether as well i, I don't know if they're backed by that Lucian, as well. hey if you want to be in crypto just hold bitcoin and you got to take <laughs> yeah, the market swings up and down i mean there's really not a whole lot of other options and i speak as somebody that's actually probably holding bitcoin in your bank account. is holding primarily stable coins at this point so if Tether depegs, I'm toast. Off top off yeah. off topic, how much uh, I felt like I learned a lot last week from from Brett in our episode sure, about yeah. NFTs. Like if you're watching this episode and you haven't watched that one, I was like shocked how much I learned last week. I was like, this is a real that was a good episode. I was like, I was, it was one of those like hidden gem ones that I, I wasn't, I wasn't sure what to expect. And I came out like, wow, that was, that was awesome. Good episode. I learned a lot. Just uh, gem finders here, right? Gem finders. People, the people who are gems. Don't. Yeah. Um, No, I, I, I agree. I think it was good. I think I, you know, we're used to all the publicities around the degens, um, Mm -hmm. but so it's interesting to see, you know, someone who's in the NFT art space, you know, truly the art space, not, mm-hmm. oh, I bought the yeah. board ape because I like the art. But truly the, the art. Honestly, space. if you bought the board ape because you like the art, you are, yeah, no. Uh, what was it? I think uh, there is a really funny article. I think Justin Bieber bought his board ape for like six six figures and it dropped to like, forty thousand dollars or something like that like how do you how do you go to your accountant with that if you're a high profile celeb and it's like i bought this thing for like six hundred thousand dollars and now it's worth only forty thousand it's a tax like, write-off i mean how, how do you you know i that's i i, I but that's not just like a tax write-off know, though that you that's don't get all that money back tax. for that like, you only get like I think you only get like three thousand dollars back. Uh, you could net long-term capital losses. I think are okay. limited to three thousand. So if you had well, if you had a lot of gains, year, you, could, you, you know, outweigh those gains. I, yeah, every year three thousand a year, and you can but continue to roll You could roll also that over. right. So if okay. you make gains, yeah. you can you can uh, contribute like all of the loss against Offset gains in any year. But if you're going to try to transfer that. You know, to deduct against yeah. your regular income on your tax return, yeah, it's three thousand a year. And uh, even though yeah. we're knowledgeable about this, we're not tax experts. Please, please uh, talk to your registered them. CPA. We'll yeah, yeah sure. well, financial regardless advisor, of yeah. that, I just yeah. not financial advice. No. Well, this would be a very boring podcast if we were a bunch <laughs> of CPAs. Or it'd be a very cool podcast. 
if we were cool CPAs, it'd be a cool podcast. Speaking of which, you never know. Hoping to get, you never know. And uh, we're hoping to get. Uh, CPA I know some interesting CPAs. Podcast too soon, yeah. So. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yep. Got him in the Hopefully works. Hopefully, it's not a snooze Yeah. Oh, great. That'll be awesome. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. As long as he's a cool CPA. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, we we love our CPAs. We need them. They help us a lot, and uh, you help us a lot by uh, watching this podcast, by listening to this podcast, and we appreciate it. Um, this has kind of been a, a random episode, but thanks for listening to our, our random thoughts on the world and how crypto plays into it. Um, we hope to keep bringing you some more interesting guests in the weeks to come. And everybody enjoy this lovely summer week in June. And uh, we will see you all on the next episode. You all stay blessed and uh, have a great rest of your week. Peace. <laughs>